0: Trouble for Big Poppy, a bizarre twist in the NBA Finals, and it's the end of the road for Jeopardy! James. Let's talk about it on a brand-new air attack, starting right now. And it does look like David Ortiz is going to be okay. Um, what he was doing in the Dominican Republic is a different story. There are a lot of conflicting reports. It appears he was hanging out with his dad at a club. Now, if that was the entire purpose for his visit, one way or another, who knows? Here's the bottom line. Number one, the Dominican Republic is a dump. I'm sorry, there are nice resorts there, I I get it. The first thing they tell you at a resort at the Dominican Republic is, don't leave. Please, for the love of God, don't leave. I was there about, I don't know, eight, nine years ago, and that's what they told us, don't leave. So you can imagine how nervous I was when I left, (laughs) when I went out on my own. Okay, you're constantly looking over your shoulder. It's just not a safe place. I don't care what the politics of today say you should say or not say about a certain part of the world. I'm not concerned about that. It's just a very dangerous place. In fact, aren't there a bunch of tourists who are getting sick and in some cases dropping dead after staying at a resort in the Dominican Republic? What is that about? Okay, it's just a dangerous place. And if David Ortiz wants to go home and keep it real, that's fine. You go home though. You know you are entering a different world, and you're going to be a marked man. I don't know exactly what the story is, and I don't want to continue to speculate about. He maybe having a girlfriend, and the girlfriend maybe being married or any anything like that, because I don't know. One thing is clear from that video of him in the club getting shot. He was the target. This was no mistake. This was no random act. Uh, it might may or may not have been a robbery. I don't know. But he was absolutely a marked man. Bottom line. Now, it could just be that there's some some guy down in the Dominican who doesn't like him. It could just be that he's jealous. I mean, th- those people exist everywhere. You know, things are going well for you. They're not going well for me. Let me see if I can ruin it. They exist. Trust me, I would know. They exist all over the place. And David Ortiz is not a guy who's going to blend into a crowd no matter where he goes. So it appears he's going to be okay. The Red Sox give him have given him all their resources. You know, I don't know that he really needs it, but that's okay. I mean, what, it is what it is. So hopefully he recovers, but dangerous situation, bizarre situation, really. But the bottom line is that was maybe the worst assassina- assassination attempt in the history of mankind. That was terrible. Oh, my God. Now, I'm, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I'm upset that, you know, David Ortiz is still alive. I'm just saying that if you're going to critique the assassination on its own merits, that was a bad assassination. It really, really was. But looks like Big Poppy's going to be okay. That is the good news. Whatever else is going on in his personal life, he can sort out on his own because it really is his business. Plus, I say it's his business, but let's face it. In 2019, we all know how this ends. TMZ will get to the bottom of it. So even if it really is not our business, yeah, we'll figure it out. Now for what has turned into the story of the week, and that is the Women's World Cup, which kicked off last weekend in, uh, in Paris. Um, well, all over France, I should say. And the U.S. women kicked off against Thailand yesterday. They were 100-1 to 1 favorites, and they, they squeaked out a win. Uh, Thirteen nothing, as it were, thirteen to nothing. Now, I watched this game. I want to root for the women's national team. I really do. It's the World Cup. It should unite us. We had at least one member of the team try to, you know, further her own personal brand and her own her own celebrity with, you know, the kneeling, and that's Megan Rapinoe, and that's 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 been gone over many times. And for whatever it's worth, you know, last time I said that it seemed like they were making her stand for the national anthem because they played in Red Bull Arena right here in New Jersey. And there was a World War II vet who was playing the National Anthem on his harmonica. And I said, well, at least she had the, you know, the decency to stand in front of him on Memorial Day weekend. But I kind of had the feeling they were making her stand. They are. They're making her stand for the National Anthem. She doesn't like it. And on top of that, she's their captain. At least she was in the first match. There's nothing like the captain of a national team standing there with a pissed-off look on her face during the National Anthem. I got to tell you. But, hey, that's their business. They can, they can run the team the way they want to. I did watch this match against Thailand, though. And I got to tell you something. It was pure domination. The U.S. team looked good. They're one of the best, best units in the world. The 13-0 score be- became sort of a bit of a controversy. And as I was watching, when they went up 8-0, I jokingly said, hey, that should just about do it. I think the USA probably locked it up. You know, 8-0 in soccer. It's over. We know that. But they kept scoring, and then they kept scoring some more, and they kept scoring some more. And it got to be kind of absurd at 13 nothing. And just to give you an idea of the 13 nothing. You know, the people want to argue and say, hey, what are they supposed to do? Stop playing? Stop trying? Stop scoring? What I'm I'm saying is this. When it's the last 15 minutes of the game, maybe just go ahead and milk the clock. Okay, and five of those goals they scored were scored in the last 15 minutes. The Thailand team was completely overmatched. The Thailand team was not very good. Okay, and yeah, 13 goals is a record for the World Cup. Obviously, in the Women's World Cup, it's not going to happen in the Men's World Cup because all the men's team, all the men's teams that play in the World Cup are very, very good teams. Obviously, Thailand is not. And the U.S. US team is obviously very good. But in the last 15 minutes watching, and this wasn't, by the way, this wasn't the second string. I'm talking about Alex Morgan, their best player, or one of them at least. Megan Rapinoe, Her Majesty, the captain, pushing the ball forcing it into the box. Not dribbling it out on their half of the field, on their defensive half. No, no, no. They're pushing it into the box. Carly Lloyd, who was the star of, of World Cups four years ago and eight years ago, coming in and scoring a goal in stoppage time. In stoppage. Stoppage time is the extra time they put on because of injuries at the end of every half. 12 nothing wasn't enough. Carly Lloyd had to get on the scoreboard. So five of those goals were scored in the last 15 minutes of the game. It was absolutely ridiculous. It would be like if Clemson was up seventy nothing on Furman, and there were ten minutes left in the fourth quarter, and you know Furman's got the ball, fourth and twenty-six from their own five, and Dabo Sweeney called timeout and said, "Hey, listen, guys, I want to get to ninety here. Okay, don't take your foot off their throat. I want you to go for the kill here. There's just no reason for it." And watching their captain, and watching players that are far superior to their opponent run around in the last 5 and 10 minutes of the game like a bunch of spastic 5-year-olds like it's the greatest thing in the world was just, uh, honestly silly it just looked completely and utterly silly, they looked like imbeciles and they could try to get defensive all they want and Abby Wambach, who is now retired, is on Twitter you follow me on Twitter at the man, and she's trying, and this is what Abby Wambach does, every 4 years people pay attention to her, and it's the same tired routine as before They deserve equal pay. We're being exploited. Yada, yada. We love the fans so much. She puts on the phony... They they, they all do it. They all do it. Put on the phony smiles for the fans during the victory parades and everything else. They play a bunch of exhibition, exhibition matches they get paid for. Okay? They all have endorsement deals. Now, do I think they're getting paid enough? That's none of my business. I don't care if they get paid more. Quite frankly, they probably do deserve to get paid more. But they should negotiate that properly. Instead of squawking about it every four years and making this into, into some kind of political thing, because the political argument just keeps getting, getting recycled over and over again. Here, it's, you know, it's the same argument as the NCAA players not getting paid for, the, for March Madness. Now we're just carrying that and putting it over on the U.S. Women's National Team not getting paid enough. And, it's, and the only people that have a problem with it are old white men, and it just, it just becomes boring. Just like Megan Rapinoe kneeling, they just use the, Ka- the Kaepernick argument. Except Megan Rapinoe can't figure out why she's kneeling. At least Kaepernick kind of kept it together. Kind of kept it consistent. Megan Rapinoe's playing for a national team, though, and just doesn't seem to realize that's much different. And if she hates the United States so much, why is she playing for them? You know why? Because it's good for her brand. It's good for her pocket. She does make money. Now, again, and the the other thing is this. The men's team right now is is not very good. They're obviously trying to rebuild and, and regroup, new coach, everything. And they are not very good right now. They're getting their asses kicked against Venezuela the other day. They look pathetic. And somehow this has become boys versus girls, where, again, standing up for women means making fun of the men. You're supposed to both be national teams. Why on earth are you taking shots at the men's team? Give me a fucking break. But Abby Wambach, you know, all over Twitter about you would never say this about a men's team. Really? We would never criticize a men's team for running up the score? You, What are you, out of your mind? You know what that is? That's just a lie. That's not someone who's clueless. She knows what she's doing. She's just a liar. Okay, it's just absolutely patently absurd to think we don't, we don't recognize when men's teams run up the scores on other teams. We see it all the time. And, yes, yeah, sometimes there's not much you can do. The first round of the NCAA tournament or early in the college basketball season, you want to keep your team aggressive, that's fine. But in the last you know, few minutes of the game, and they, listen, there are coaches in, in college sports, I say this about all the time, They don't call the dogs off until like 20 seconds left in the game, and they look ridiculous. James Franklin at Penn State a few years ago called timeout to ice the Coastal Carolina kicker, and I believe he was up 60 at the time. And Coastal Carolina was going to get on the board in the fourth quarter, and he called a timeout to ice the kicker to try to preserve a shutout. He was absolutely dragged through the – I mean, just raked through the coals for that. Don't tell me we don't criticize men. But somehow it's got to turn into boys versus girls. Workplace protections, because that's what everyone wants to, wants to think about when they're watching sports. And God forbid, God forbid you criticize the women, oh boy, watch out, you're sexist. Okay? Equal pay, but they can't handle equal equal criticism. And as much as I'm getting on the players from the women's national team, what was really bizarre was watching the coaches pump their fists, 9 nothing, 10-0, 11 nothing, 12-0, nothing, 13 nothing. is wrong with you people? I would never wish it upon them. Not in a million years. But what if Alex Morgan is going to score her fifth goal and next thing you know, she tears an ACL? Did that ever cross anyone's mind? No, 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 because that, that would never happen, right? That's me, be, that's me just being crazy because that kind of stuff doesn't happen, right? What are you guys doing? What, what, what are you doing over there? I mean, for a team that wants more money, if you want more money, and I'm not saying just, just what you get paid from U.S. soccer, but in general, as an athlete, you want to be more marketable. You want to be more likable. That's how it works. You know, and, and you know what? Do the better looking women on the U.S. soccer team get more endorsements? Absolutely, they do. It's kind of how it works. Bryce Harper and LeBron James and Kobe, and the, you know they, they, they've done a lot better with endorsements than George Mirasan. They're also much better players, okay? But I'll give you an example. And I'm not trying to pick on the guys. I, I don't care about stuff like this, but Andrew Luck, Michael Phelps, okay? Big time athletes, world-class athletes, superstars. Not big endorsement guys though, are they? Yeah, you don't, really see a lot of, you don't really see a lot of Andrew Luck on billboards. I wonder why. So the lookism thing exists everywhere with endorsements. The more likable you are, the more money you'll make as an athlete. And part of the likability is success. Absolutely, positively. But this notion, well, the women are better than the men, pay them more. Hey, guys, listen, the Women's World Cup is not as big of an event as the men. And there was bad weather in France yesterday, so I'm trying to be fair about it. I saw a hell of a lot of empty seats. You don't see empty seats in the Men's World Cup. Bottom line. And maybe the women do very good ratings here and yada, yada, yada. If you look at the ratings across the board, though, they're not going to do the same numbers on a worldwide basis as the men's games especially when you have teams like Thailand in there, okay? It's just ridiculous. Any one of the women's substitutes would have been the best player on that Thailand team 10 times over. And they just could not get enough of the scoring and the piling on and the celebrations and jumping into each other's arms. And Abby Wambach saying, well, gee, gee, it's the World Cup. Of course they're excited. It's not the World Cup, Abby. It's the Women's World Cup, okay? And if you want to know why people don't look at it quite the same light, okay, there's a lot of reasons for it. But if you, want, if you want that gap to be narrowed a little bit, maybe just a little bit of professionalism. Okay, The ladies want to get treated like pros. I'm not saying they shouldn't get treated like pros. I am saying they should act like it. Bottom line. So enough, enough about them, enough about her. And I, and I will root for, the, for Team USA. I found I'm going to find it very hard to watch them these next two matches. I'm not I'm not going to watch them pour it on the way they did. That that to me is not even close to being enjoyable. Sorry, it's not how it is. Speaking of which, because we ne- by the way we never criticize men for doing this, right? Max Muncy and Madison Bumgarner. Max Muncy hits a ball a mile. I don't know how far he hits it. I know they can probably with the metrics they have these days they can probably measure how far he hit it. Anyway, he hit one into the harbor right behind the right behind the stadium in San Francisco. Madison Bumgarner starts barking at him to stop staring at the ball and round the bases. Here's the problem. Max Muncy motions over. Come on, man. Now, Max Muncy said, he said that he told Madison Bumgarner, hey, if you don't like it, go get the ball out of the ocean. I don't know that he actually said that. It looked like he was saying, if you don't like it, come over here and do something about it. Madison Bumgarner is not going to do shit. That's the problem. Okay, you gave up a home run. It was a solo home run. I believe it was in the first inning, by the way. Just put your head down. Get a new ball. Talk to your catcher. Let the guy take 40 seconds around the bases. What do you give a shit? Honestly. Here's the thing, though. There are people on both sides of the argument, just put your head down around the bases. Oh, I like the bat flips. They're good for baseball. Hey, if you need bat flips to like baseball, then you probably really don't like baseball. Okay, that's just the bottom line. I kind of like some of the celebrations in sports. The the group celebrations in the NFL have gotten a little out of hand, especially when the games take long enough to begin with. I always thought that that T.O., and Ocho Cinco were the best with the celebrations. I thought they were funny. I thought T.O., especially the game in Dallas, where he's in the, the Dallas Cowboys star, you know, stepping on the star, and then Emmett Smith goes and puts a ball in the star. I think eventually George Teague tackled T. I thought I thought that stuff was great. I enjoy stuff like that, but in baseball, it's like you know the bat. I don't get off on the bat flip and the spinning. And there was a kid from Mississippi State who looked like he was having a seizure. Okay, during one of the Super Regionals last week, because he hit a ball, he hit a, I guess his last college home run, and he just went absolutely nuts with, I mean, spinning and dancing and kind of like Willie Mays Hayes in Major League. So, to me, the bad flips, they don't do anything for me. I know people are like, oh, the guys, it's so hard to do what they do. I just welcome it. It's so great for the game. What does that really do for the game? I don't get it. But on the flip side, if you're the pitcher who gives up the home run, just let them round the bases. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? See, what's going to happen now is this. It's going to escalate to where... The bat flipping and the, you know, the sort of, whatever you want to call it, the, you know, the, the, the styling around the bases, okay, the, the, the dance routine some of these guys are doing around the, around the bases. It's going to come to a head where the guy escalates and escalates and escalates, and obviously there's going to be retaliation from the pitcher. We know that. It happens all the time. But what's going to happen is the bat flips are going to escalate and the retaliation is going to escalate. And as hard as these guys throw, I'm telling you, some of these guys are throwing the ball with scary velocity these days. Someone's going to get nailed in the face. Okay, whether, whether it's intentional or not is not the point. You're going to get a pitcher up there who loses his composure and says, fuck it, and tries to hit the guy in the back and ends up hitting him in the throat. I'm, I'm telling you, it's inevitable. So for that reason, I would say tone it down. Okay, as, as they hit her, Max Muncy's got some balls going up there because it's the first inning. It's a long game. And nobody did anything. Nobody did anything, as far as I know, to retaliate. And remember something, too. This is Dodgers-Giants. So this is not exactly, you know, these are not two fan bases and two organizations that are known for liking each other. We know that, right? So Madison, Madison Bumgarner ended up kind of looking like a fool, but let's face it, Max Muncie doesn't need to be doing that. If Max Muncy does that to 100 pitchers how long before it goes south on him. So that's a case where maybe both guys, both guys, guys, by the way, Abby have you on back, see? Guys, I'm criticizing the guys now. Yeah, I'm criticizing the men, okay? I hope, hope that makes you happy. I'm sure it does. Uh, in this case, both guys were wrong um jeopardy james james holtauer uh, professional sports gambler lives in las vegas goes on one of the all-time runs on jeopardy and if you, and jeopardy is just one of those shows that's always been there just like alex trebek who by the way appears to be in remission from pancreatic cancer which is which is crazy i mean you, you hope it's true which is which is great great news for him um who's handled that entire situation by the way with just an incredible class but um, Jeopardy! James, his run comes to an end. Here's the problem. He's gonna, he was going to get beat eventually. The only question was, was he going to make it to the end of the season and carry it over into the fall? The answer is obviously no. Darren Revell, after we just went through this with Game of Thrones, and I'm just getting into Game of Thrones. I think I'm, I'm on, I think at the end of season two right now. People spoiling things on, the, on, on Twitter and on Facebook became a big topic of conversation. And here's Darren Revell ruining the episode where Jeopardy! James loses. And I still watched it, but I was robbed, robbed, I tell you, of the of the drama of the whole thing. And he was beaten by a very good opponent, a woman who, if I'm not mistaken, got nothing wrong the entire game. Played a perfect game and didn't beat him by much, but she beat him. And she deserved to win. And she got beat a few shows later. I thought she might go on a run herself. Now, she got beat a few shows later. Just goes to show you how impressive the run was by Jeopardy! James. But Darren Ravel, getting back to him, you know what a little guy you have to be? to go and ruin something. And you know, he says, Hey, it's already aired in certain markets. I don't care if it's aired in certain markets. didn't air in my market. I care about me. I'm the one watching. And by the way, my, my TV market is the New York TV market. Okay. I don't live in New York. I live in New Jersey, but I I promise you, I can see New York city from my window. Promise you. Okay. So what are you doing, man? (laughs) What are you trying to do over here? Why? So you can market your shitty podcast that no one cares about? I mean, here's a guy who went from ESPN to uh, pretty much doing nothing. Now he works for the Action Network, which is basically a gambling site that is more fluff than it is substance. I, I did subscribe to it, I mean, briefly. And I mean really, really briefly. Um, and I guess he's just looking for relevance. He has somehow still has 2 million Twitter followers, but what did he really think was going to happen? Oh, you know what? Jeopardy! James loses tonight, but you know what? I, I already know that because Darren Rovell ruined it. I better go listen to his crappy show. You've got to be kidding me. But the fact that Darren Rovell basically thought that was his best move should tell you about what he thinks of himself. Really, if that's all you have to offer the world is, is ruining something for them, then that's what you got. So congratulations to everybody who listened to his awesome show that day. Then we have Hank Haney, who gets suspended from his job at Sirius XM. He, of course, being a golf teacher who once taught a guy named Tiger Woods. He also wrote a book. I'm going to say it's been three, four years at this point that basically exposed Tiger for how can I put this for being kind of a jerk behind the scenes. And I'm, I'm I'm putting it mildly. I, I've not read the book. I, I'm not, I, And the reason that I haven't read it, it's not because I love Tiger or hate Tiger or anything like that. I just, to me, I, I've heard all those stories. I've heard a lot of those stories. I just never heard them in depth from a guy who had access to the man's home. So in that way, he kind of betrayed Tiger Woods. Anyway, Hank Haney gets suspended from his job for basically making a comment about the U.S. Women's Open and saying he thinks, quote, someone named Lee will win the U.S. Open. Because there are so many women on tour named Lee, and there's a lot of Korean players. And everyone knows that. There's a lot of Korean women women on the LPGA Tour. It has been an issue that has been brought up many times. People have kicked and screamed racism. But again, the marketability factor of that tour is not going to be based on how far the women hit it or anything like that. Because they just can't compete with the men from that standpoint. I mean, they're they're great players. But, you know, you got guys like Dustin Johnson or Brooks Kepka, you know, bombing 350-yard drives. With ease, by the way. Not like downwind, downhill. Just... That's just what they do. You know, it's tough to get into watching a woman hit a ball, you know, 250, 260, whatever it is. It, it I'm, Again, I'm not taking it, anything away from how good they are, but again, seems to be kind of a theme lately. They're just not the men. Just all there is to it. Anyway, there has been, the, the, the conversation has been had, put it this way, that because there are so many Asian girls on tour, the tour might not be as marketable. That has been a conversation that's been going on for at least a decade on the LPGA tour because... You know, the Natalie Gulbuses and and the Paula Kramers, both of whom I met, both of whom are very nice girls, they help. When you have good-looking women who are also very personable, it helps. When you have women who, good-looking or otherwise, doesn't matter, but when they don't even speak the language, it's just a thing. We hear about it, uh, as a Yankee fan, I hear Yankee fans talk about how guys like Gary Sanchez don't speak English, and they wish he would. Mets fans complained that Cespedes, when he was gracing them with his presence, before he was... Ending his career on a ranch somewhere in Florida, whatever that, whatever the hell that's about, they would say the same thing. You know what I mean? They would say, "Hey, listen, you know, the guy doesn't speak English. He should he should speak English by now." Hey, whatever. That's that's their choice. Whatever. The point is, on the LPGA tour, this has been a very like it's been, this is kind of like a tired topic of conversation. Hank Haney made a joke like, "Hey, it's going to be someone named Lee." Yada yada yada. Next thing you know, he gets suspended. And then they went and asked Tiger what he thought, and Tiger backs up the suspension. Well, of course Tiger did because Tiger hates his guts. OK, if Tiger could light Hank Haney on fire and get away with it, he would do it. So don't ask Tiger. In fact, Tiger should have just sat that one out. That was kind of obvious. I, I, I get that Tiger feels sort of snake bit by Hank Haney and he deserves to. But maybe just sit it out because even though he did something to you, two things. It doesn't mean you're going to be objective in your response. That's number one. Number two, remember something. A lot of what Hank Haney said, people have said is totally true. They've said, you know, I can't speak for the specific instance with Hank Haney, but I can tell you this is the way Tiger acts. So, you know, Tiger should have just said, look, I have no comment. That's his business. Anyway, what happens if you fast forward, and I, I watch the U.S. Women's Open, bottom TV, not not top TV material, but on my bottom TV, and I see there's a girl named Lee Six who's winning the tournament, and I'm like, is she also a rapper? What the hell is that? So, I decide that it has to be a misprint. I want to know what her actual name is. I'm kind of interested in this. I go onto to one of, the, one of the sports apps I have, and, say, and it turns out That's what her name is. It's Lee Six. Why? Because the LPGA Tour decided there were so many Lees on tour that they had to add a number to her name. It gets better. She actually won. So my question is, remind me again why exactly Hank Haney is suspended. Why? For being accurate? Doesn't seem like it makes a lot of sense. Maybe people need to lighten up just a little bit and not just about the World Cup. And now finally with the NBA Finals, first of all... You know, I'm watching this, I, I don't know, maybe between Games 1 and 2. We, we are now past Game 5, so depending on when you listen to this, the, the finals may be over. Um, but between, I think it was Games 1 and 2, and they're talking about Adam Silver considering this move where he removes the, the, the title of owner from the NBA teams. And you know what? Before the playoffs started, I was like, you know, we'll be fine without LeBron. We don't need LeBron in the finals. You know what? Maybe the league does need LeBron in the finals if this is the nonsense he is talking about. I mean, this is Adam Silver, you know, trying to be this woke white guy, and it's like, to, to me, just completely unnecessary. You're starting a conversation that doesn't need to be had. It's it just comes across as preposterous. You're just flailing and just, you know, just kicking and screaming, trying, you know, saying basically saying to America, "Look at me," when really you're just making something out of nothing. I think it's a completely ridiculous thing. There may be people that disagree, and that's fine. You might say it's easy for me to say as a white guy the owners own the organization they own the rights to everything that's literally what they are you can change the name or the title all you want it's just more just just a waste of time it's complete nonsense and i find it, i find it offensive that I have to waste time even addressing it, or that there's time wasted during NBA Finals coverage. I think it's just psychotic. It really is. Basically, I look at the journalists who want to cover this nonsense, and I I say to myself, this is for people who are just not very good journalists. They just don't have very good opinions. They don't have thoughts. They don't have insights. And in a lot of cases, have zero, and I mean zero ability to actually analyze the teams or analyze the games. Last show, I talked about the NBA Finals from the perspective of what was actually going to happen in the NBA Finals. And I said, yeah, I would probably pick the Warriors to win if I had to pick a winner, but I certainly wouldn't lay three to one. That would be a mistake. Okay? But there are people who just can't do that. They can certainly talk about Colin Kaepernick. They can certainly, you know, uh, you know, just shower praise upon LeBron James for opening a school. They can do that, you know, 100, maybe 200 times a year. But they can't tell you about, you know, how... You know, Toronto's home court might affect things, or the fact that you know, uh, Golden State might be okay without KD, but they're not okay without KD and Steph and Clay. You know what I mean? Like they have to have at least two of those three guys. And Steph was banged up, and Clay was banged up. There's people that can't analyze that for for their lives, so you know they want to talk about this nonsense, and I find it to be ridiculous. As far as the actual game, imagine that. Um, I thought number one, that was the worst timeout in Game Five, maybe in the history of organized sports this side of Chris Webber. That was the one thing that stood out. Obviously, there's another story there, too. But the timeout with just over three minutes left, I tweeted, I tweeted it, too. And you can follow me on Twitter at man. But I said, I don't love this timeout. And after that timeout, Klay Thompson hits a three. Then Steph hits a three. Next thing you know, it's a 9-2 run for the Warriors. They take game five. You knew they weren't going to go down without a fight. You knew that. The problem was, with three minutes left, they didn't have much fight left. They were on their heels. They were gassed. They only had one timeout. Their defense was basically lifeless. And there was a little bit of chaos on the offensive side from Toronto, but so what? The building was absolutely insane. The building had chaos. Chaos is your friend at that point. Chaos is absolutely your ally. Golden State could have make a shot, but you call timeout, you give, them, you give them a rest, you allow Steve Kerr to make a couple substitutions. I thought it was an awful timeout. I know it's easy for me to say. I know hindsight, twenty twenty or the whole thing, but I thought it was terrible. Now, the Kevin, the Kevin Durant perspective not Kevin Garnett Kevin Durant perspective it really throws everything upside down in terms of free agency I know it's a little bit morbid that's really not very nice because there's a health issue here obviously I hope the man recovers I thought it was ridiculous the way the Toronto fans acted but if you remember the Toronto fans are the same ones that showered the Texas Rangers with beer cans in 2015 because they weren't getting their way in the playoffs then okay but no but there are sophisticated sports town I digress KD now, you know, whether he was going to the Knicks, the Nets, wherever he was going, that's all on hold. He does have an opt-in, if he wants, with the Warriors. Would be interesting to see him do it and go ahead and cash that check. Maybe he would be ready for the postseason next year. It just throws a wrinkle into everything. It absolutely does. It also kind of turns the finals upside down. I will say this, though. You may not like KD, and that's fine. In a lot of ways, you're justified if you don't. He does have kind of an attitude. You know, the way he interacts with some of the fans, the way he interacts with the media sometimes, you know, the burner accounts on Twitter. Yeah, the guy does some things that are definitely questionable at best. At best. But if you can't acknowledge what he did here in Game 5, both in terms of performance and in terms of sacrifice, then you probably have something wrong with you. And I'm not saying the Warriors are going to come back and win this thing in seven games. I still think Toronto's going to pull it out. I really do. But if they do win a title, and just the fact they have a chance at a title just for the just for the opportunity to play a game six, they absolutely have Katie to thank for that. And he really showed you something. And it should probably change some of your minds in terms of whether or not you'd want him on your team. The irony, of course, being now you'll probably have to wait another year to get him. And then all the time we got this week on the Air Attack. Thanks for joining us. Make sure you check out Facebook.com slash the Air Attack and follow me on Twitter and on SoundCloud at BCAK The Man. Also, subscribe to the Air Attack with BC the Man on iTunes on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, and on Spreaker. Closing out tonight with my guys from Chicago. Here's Mozini and Scheist with Get That Feeling. I am BC the man. I will see you guys next week on the Air Attack.
1: On the block, but a few flows, push a few rocks. Everything with me is easy. When I get that feeling, if i rapping or dealing everything with me is easy. If I gotta stand on the block, what's a few flows, push a few rocks? Everything with me is easy. I'm made by the streets. Straight one six CP V That's me, double eyes for all y'all that can't see. Ain't never been no bitch. I ain't never Put hoes on tracks. A bit nigga with a pissed down highs here with nothing to live for. Press said the Midwest chief for the river. Niggas know my rep. And besides, please, I'm the only nigga from the shot town up to the death. Other niggas get that cash. Move their ass out the, to the bird. Clipping all plus, why your niggas on the block? Pushing dust ain't that a bitch. Do what the fuck? Sell out, nigga. Where you at, bro? Where you at, bro? If I gotta stand on the block, bust a few flows, push a few rocks, everything with me is easy. When I get that feeling, if I clap and rapping all everything with me is easy. If I gotta stand on the block, bust a few flows, push a few rocks, everything with me is easy.